Guys, we are going to continue uh, this series. Last week, uh, Kevin began talking about uh, falling in love with Scripture. He did a great job. If you get a chance, go back and listen to that. It was really, it was really good. It was really profound. Um, there's lots, lots and lots in there. We're going to be looking at the kind of second part of this. And tonight is kind of, I want to talk about some of the paralysis of Scripture. Some of the ways that we can be paralyzed by by scripture and the things that it kind of does to us. Uh, so I'd love us to uh, turn to John chapter 5. Uh, I think it's going to come up on the screen. If not, I'll, don't worry, I'll read it out. Um, before that, I'm going to read, this is, we, we looked at this last week, but I want, to, I want to add this as well. So 2 Timothy 3 said this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then John 5, verse 36, says this. I have testimony weightier than that of John's, Jesus speaking, for the, the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, and you refuse to come to me and have life. Lord God, we come to your, your word, and we ask, would it speak to us? Would it illuminate us? Would it um, be life to us uh, through the power of your spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, I don't know if it's okay to admit this in church, but I struggle with the Bible. There are times when I really struggle with the Bible. Like page three, there's a talking snake. Like that, guys, just in case you don't know, that's not okay. Two weeks ago, we had someone come, and I've never had this in church before, but someone came up to me and went, um, Chris, there's a snake in our church. I was like, Really? There's a snake in our church. They're like, I think it's a black mamba. It's like, there's a black mamba in our church? Like, is he paying tithes? Like, is he, is he okay to be here? And we went out and looked, and it wasn't a black mamba. It was a tiny snake, and it was fine. Um, but just so you know, a talking snake is not okay. Okay, guys, that's not okay. And then as we get into it, there's a lot of kind of murder and sex and violence and people are not treated how I expect people the way of Jesus to be treated. And we have to ask some really awkward questions. Like, I look at Jesus who brings this non-violent protest to the ways of the world and dies submissively on a cross. Yeah, I look at the Old Testament and think, God's, God seems pretty bloodthirsty at times. And I'm trying to work out how do I reconcile some of that. I think we kind of have this sense that Scripture is meant to be useful. We read this verse. It's given in isolation. You know, um, whenever we come across anything awkward, people just go, oh, yeah, but all Scripture is useful for teaching, isn't it? As though that was meant to, as though that was meant to take away any issues that we had with it. And we kind of have this sense it's useful, so we turn to it. But we often turn to it as like 
a reference book or a quote book. I love this. Recently, someone said when they were talking about the Bible, they said, you've got to remember, William Shakespeare never wrote quotes. He wrote plays, of which there are some very quotable things in there. And I think the same is helpful with the Bible. This wasn't written as a quote book. But we look at some of this like it is quotes. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Really? Be a model? Be a famous actor? Be a billionaire? It's like, yes, but Christ has strengthened me to do those things. Or judge not that you not be judged. And we interpret that to be, I can do what I want and no one can judge me. Or you do not have because you do not ask. And our moment says, God, I want this and I want that and I've asked. Yeah, we forget that the next verse says, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And we're kind of like, yeah, I'm not so sure I like that bit, but I'll have the first bit. Or this idea that we can just kind of flick through the Bible and like whenever it stops, we're going to find something useful for us. There's a great story of a man who decided to do this and said, Lord, I'm going to do whatever I find in the scriptures. And he flicked it and put his finger on there. And the first thing he read was, Judas took himself away and hung himself. So he was like, let me try this again. So he flicked through again and stopped. And it says, go and do likewise. And they flick through again finally and he stopped and it says, whatever you are about to do, go and do it quickly. <laughs> we must be careful about how we handle scripture. There are deep problems with reading scripture in a way it's not intended to be read. If you try and read the Psalms like a, a science book, you're going to get into trouble. Because the trees of the field do not clap their hands as the poets <laughs> in the Old Testament say. And there's imagery in there that's beautiful, but it's not meant to be seen as, as science. And there's, there's narrative in there that is meant to be descriptive of the times and not telling us what to go and do. If we're not careful, Scripture can hurt us, but it can also take us away from its purpose. And we can end up being paralyzed by it. Because we see these things in isolation and go, well, I kind of like, yes, this makes sense. And I love this promise but it doesn't seem to be happening for me on the ground. So we get paralyzed into inactivity or worse, distrust in God. God does not seem to be supplying everything that I need. I am not as healthy and as wealthy as I want to be. God, I don't feel like my plans are prospering me and certainly don't see how things are increasing a hundredfold in my life. So how are some helpful ways to fall in love with Scripture? I just want to offer three really quick things before we have a bit of a chat about this. First is this. What does the Bible serve to do? Well, I think it's there in the first line of Scripture. The Bible is to introduce who God is. The Bible is to introduce who God is. In the beginning, God but actually it goes deeper than that. It's not just who God is. It doesn't just say in the beginning God as though that was the end of it. It, says it moves on to the rest of stuff. So we see this is not just who God is, but who we are as well. How we're created, how we're made, what we're meant to do. But even more beautiful than who God is and who humanity is, I think the beauty of it is it describes how God and humanity are meant to interact. This is the story of 
scripture. This is the narrative. And as the curtain rises on this story, we see at once that this is the interaction of the divine and the human. And as the story continues, we see the pain and the tragedy in all of this. But underneath every moment is the reminder of who, who God is. And secondly, this, it's important to see that this is a story and that we're made for stories. We live by stories. They're the way we kind of navigate the world around us. The the stories we believe about our world are the ways that we interact. I believe that coffee is the thing that gives you amazing days and amazing life. So I drink several before breakfast every day. Some of the stories we believe, I was talking to the editor of the Shoe Jazz magazine, and she talked about the story of cruel optimism. And she said, there's a story in our world, in our city here in Nairobi, that says, if you're good, if you're not naughty at school, if you're good, and you work really hard, and you get your way through school, and you get to college, and you get your way through college and get your degree, then you'll get this job, and this car, and this house, and this spouse, and so it's not true. But it's a story of our time. It's a story we immerse ourselves in, a story we believe. Stories are the way we understand our world. They help us create maps for navigating the world. And the Bible is God's way of presenting the true human story. Someone once said that the stories we live in are the stories that we will live out. But the stories we immerse ourselves in become the kinds of things that we, we live out and act out and do. And the question of the Bible is, at its heart, do you believe and trust the story for humanity, where it's come from, what it is, and where it's going? We are little more than kind of the the habits and practices of our time. And I wonder, what do we contemplate? What do we dwell on? What do we fixate ourselves on? Is this story, this wonderful story of Jesus, something we dwell on? It's something like Kevin said last week that we chew on, that we get into. Or is it something that we kind of incidentally pick up? What are we doing? Are we into this story? Or are we into other stories? And what if we fix our, fixate ourselves on, on TikTok, on Netflix? or Hollywood, or our career, or our sports team. Whatever story we dwell in is a story that we'll live out. If we look at the techniques of Jesus, so often he simply offers a narrative. He says to them, you know, you've heard it say, but I say to you. He's offering another narrative, another way of thinking about the world, a way in which uh, the way of Jesus becomes the story that we can live out. And if we don't live and breathe the story, we will live and breathe another story. That sounds really easy, doesn't it? And it's not. It's really hard. And even amongst the people where Jesus dwelt permanently with them, like for three years, he was with them all the time, and they still didn't get the story. And that's why we've got to immerse ourselves in it more and more. That as the, as the lies of our world and the stories of our world come and attack us, we're able to say, do you know what? This is actually the story. We're able to counter it with God's story. We live in a moment of of Christian secularism. 
where our belief may be Christian, but our instincts are secular. Our belief may be Christian, but our instincts are secular. So we have to fight the instincts of our humanity with the story of Jesus. To fight our inclination to, to kind of give of ourselves to our feelings and our wants and desires. Where we want to seek hate and retribution. And we seek not to forgive. And we do this because we will miss out on all that Jesus has if we say that he is risen, but we live as though he's dead. And we need to be beyond kind of Christian secularism. I think a classic example in our time is the toxic kind of cancel culture, lack of tolerance we have in our world. You disagree with me, that means we can't be friends. You do something wrong to me, I cut you out of everything. And we shame people and their views and we hate on people. And when the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners, they criticized him. Yet Jesus comes in and says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yet we want those around us who only we like or get along with. Everyone else we want to cancel. And again, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Jesus offering a different narrative. And thirdly, as we land, I think this is key. The aim of Scripture is to point us to Jesus. It's not an end in and of itself. The people were reading the Scriptures and they weren't finding Jesus. If you've seen how critical Jesus is of the Pharisees, it says you read the Scriptures diligently because you think in them is the truth, yet they testify about me and you refuse to come to me. It's making the point we can't stop at just getting to Scripture. We've got to get to Scripture in order that we might get to Jesus. I often hear people say, you know, Jesus is on every page of Scripture. I'm like, maybe, kind of, I'm not sure. But I think what we really mean is that the arc of this story, the leading sense of it all is that something is needed that is not there. And this person is Jesus. And Scripture is not Jesus. It points beyond itself to Jesus. And the Pharisees were so lost in the things of God that they forgot to see God himself. Here's an interesting thing. If you ask, if you ask people generally... Who do you think the wisest person in history was? It's fascinating. You get a list of kind of scientists or philosophers like Plato, some Buddhist monk, Jordan Peterson maybe, Stephen Hawking, King Solomon, Confucius, Martin Luther King, Chiquaza. Like there's all these kind of wise people. I don't know why they left. That's so unfair, isn't it? Yes, people who's the wisest person in history, no one ever says Jesus. It's fascinating. There's people about who describe Jesus and like, oh, he was a good teacher. He was really moral and upright. He seemed to like fish, whatever. But they never say he was wise. I think often we look at the way of Jesus, the things he said, and presume that they're not really for us. That actually this is great, but it's not really for us. It's kind of above us or something that's not really for us or for us even to ascertain. And the things of Jesus just seem things, why would we do that? Like, love your enemies. I struggle to love the people that I love. I love my enemies. And not just the enemies who are kind of enemies of everyone. But like your enemies, the people who really upset you. 
Do not worry, Jesus says. How are we all doing with that? You can't love both God and money. And we all go, okay, I love money then. <laughs> Pray for those that persecute you. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, give them your cloak as well. If someone wants to hit you on the right cheek, turn them to the other one as well. So what if we thought that Jesus was wise? Not just good. Not just the Savior, but what if we thought he was wise? What if we honestly thought that the things he said were a way of living? What if, it, if Jesus meant it when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And as I, as I conclude, I think one of the great ways of, of getting into Scripture, and this is what I do, if you look through my, my Bible, it's got notes on the side, and often they're questions. Where I go, why does Jesus think this is important? Why does Jesus think doing these crazy things is important? And I think it's a really good place for us um, to get to. Studying scripture is a journey that takes a lifetime. I, I try and read it pretty much every day. I've been a Christian for longer than most of you have been alive. And I still really struggle with it. But in it, taking step by step, sort of day by day, I begin to see Jesus at work in my life. A Jesus who took someone who was a young man, who was angry and, and violent about the world and annoyed with the world and horrible to people. And he came and changed me and made me a different person. And in, if he can do that, then I want to look at his word and go, okay, Jesus, why is this important? And what might I do with it? Guys, I want to encourage you just into some groups. Just got a few questions for us to re reflect on before we just close with some singing again. But firstly, why is this such a hard book to get into? Just be honest with one another. Don't worry, you don't have to pretend here, it's okay. Why is it so hard to get into this book? Secondly, what narratives of Jesus do you find hardest? Like some of the things of Jesus say, we are, yeah, that's fine, I can do that. Others like, mm, I'm not so sure. What narratives of Jesus do you find hard? And then finally, if you could change one bit of the Bible, we're not going to do that, by the way, that's not what we do in this church. But if you could, what would be the one bit you change? And then why do you think Jesus has it in there? Why do you think Jesus has it in there? So guys, turn around to some of the people uh, you're with, chat to them, reflect on this, and then we'll close in just a few minutes. I don't know where you got to when we talked about why is the Bible so hard to get into. I think that could take up like years of discussion just in and of itself. Um, and there are a whole host of reasons, but one, I read this this week, which was fascinating. In Nairobi, people on average consume four and a half hours of digital content a day. Yet we struggle to find five minutes to read the Bible app. Which, I guess my only conclusion could be, either we're too distracted or, you know, that, you know that whole thing, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you distracted. And I think offering this to God in prayer and saying, this is a spiritual battleground to 
we claim the story of Jesus over the narratives of our time is a, is a battleground that we're into. So Lord God, we bring ourselves before you. We are on some level uh, aware of our need for you. Lord, would you just make it really clear to us where we need to be? Would you remind us of your story of love poured out for each one of us? Lord, whether we are all in or we are deeply skeptical or somewhere in between, would you come and meet us? Lord, I pray for those of us who are angry with God those who are confused by God, those who are crying out going, God, would you give me an answer? Would you come and meet us, Lord? Just, I was praying then, I just felt God saying, you know, there were people here who just looked at themselves and I'm such a bad Christian I just felt God saying that is not how he sees us and that he's looking out over each one of us and smiling and he is so grateful for the journey you're trying to take towards him and he is the God who comes running to each one of us Lord I pray we would know that we would know that you are the God who comes running come and meet us wherever we are So nice to see you, so glad you're here Oh, 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 oh We wanna know Jesus, we wanna grow like him We wanna know Jesus, and do the things that he did